May the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our strength and redeemer. Amen. Good morning. Our collect today gathers a lectionary filled with dire human conditions, situations of jealousy, conflict, sin, even death. It focuses the collected readings so that we may hear within and at the foundation of these stories again and again the message, fear not. Fear not. You have an amazing advocate. And this advocate, the collect tells us, never fails to help and govern those who have already been given the sure foundation of godly, loving kindness. In our readings, we meet situations that address what we and all disciples are to do when those with whom we thought we shared basic values, even those we thought of as family, seek not just to devalue what we do, but seem to challenge what we believe. There are, in history, and in our own times, those who do indeed challenge lives and work, seeking to ensure competition, earthly power. There are those who feel that they are to be God's chosen person or people. Today we are told, fear them not. The Genesis reading we hear was written down, scholars say, as a response to a crisis, to the Babylon exile. It was a time when the people of God were challenged to bring their glorious past history into their miserable present. It was a time to remind themselves that their God was always faithful. In the first reading, we hear that Abraham's eldest son is in danger. Jealousy and fear of her own abandonment leads one wife to seek to push out another, along with her challenging 17-year-old eldest son, if we're to believe the ages that we see in the scripture. Sarah, it seems, wants her own three-year-old miracle child to be the one to inherit God's promise. Her husband agrees to do it. And with his mother, the eldest son is driven out into the desert to die. And then the story tells us that Ishmael, the eldest son, cries out, to God. And long ago, readers of this Hebrew original text would have known and been comforted from the beginning with the knowledge that the name Ishmael in Hebrew translates literally 
into God hears his cries. Indeed, we're told God's mercy saves both Abraham's sons. Next week, we'll hear about that ram in the thicket. God makes both the founders, both sons the founders of great nations, a double fulfillment of God's promises to bless Abraham. Promises so extravagant, they seemed laughable, even to those faithful humans involved in faithful partnership with God. Fear not, indeed. And then in the gospel, we hear their master address his first disciples. This is a time of conflict and revolution, a time when Jerusalem is besieged. He will tell them that they will indeed be persecuted, just like they will see their master persecuted. For all of them are different. They are people of faith attempting to follow a path of loving kindness rather than being primarily individualists. They are themselves a challenge even to their own families. And certainly they are a challenge to the religious and political authorities. Those who seek to gather and use tactics of intimidation even to the point of crucifying others. And still, in this fearsome situation, that godly message of fear not. The message for all disciples built on a foundation of godly loving kindness is fear not. You are far too precious to lose too beloved for God to ever cast off. All the hairs on your head are counted. And by the way, there are 100,000 of those. Somebody actually counted them. I looked it up. And yet, in the midst of all this belovedness, the reality is clear. Bad things do happen, even to the most innocent and dearly beloved sons and daughters of God. Later, when these disciples meet up with personal disappointments and worse, they will remember these words. And even later, they will see and claim that they are an Easter people governed and guided, and they will celebrate anew that their God is a God of loving kindness who saves and brings ever new life into what seemed their impossible situation in a way they could never have imagined, even when they are called to take up their own crosses, called not just to take up their crosses, but to embrace painful situations that they cannot control. 
embrace them in loving kindness for all of us. Holding things close to our hearts makes anything easier to carry. Then moving on to the epistle, even the epistle addresses amazing redemption. The redemption that in embracing situations with loving kindness, this act can bring redemption of humanity's most basic human instincts of competition, seen by Paul in the early church. Today, Paul struggles to inspire the church at Rome seeking to inspire its mixed congregation of Jews and Gentiles who are in competitive conflict and struggle about what a Christian has to be or do. Paul wishes them to work together. He wishes them to get beyond their competition. And this, I believe, is what Paul titles in our reading, sin. Paul wants both Jews and Gentiles to see that in their baptism, it's not an ever-loving God who is changed. It's the believers who are changed, all adopted now into a family governed by open-hearted loving-kindness, adopted to save their own lives and their own world. Paul has seen the light. It communicated to him persecution of others for their beliefs is an affront to God's own self. Now, I think some additional light on this might come from an old story in which a builder who cannot espouse a faith in God sees his foreign student and servant praying. The servant is embarrassed, and he asks, when questioned why he prays, he asks in turn, what kind of thing is sinful here, master? And his master answers, there are many things I would not do, but to me it seems no misdeed is graver than trying to increase one's own light or brightness by quenching the light shining from another. All of this, along with the readings, are summed up for me in one last story about a Genesis attempt. It's an old myth, very religious, and it goes like this. In the beginning, there was only the holy darkness, the source of all life. Then this world of a thousand thousand things emerged from the heart of that holy darkness as a great ray of light. And then a great accident occurred and the light of the world was broken and scattered into a thousand, thousand fragments of light. And they fell into all people and into all sorts of events where some remain deeply hidden until this very day. 
Now, according to this story, the whole human race was created then as a godly reaction and reply to the accident and the shattering. We humans, it says, are here because we are the ones born with the capacity to find the hidden light in all events and in all people, to lift it up, to make it visible once again, and thereby to restore the unity of this world. And this task of restoration is, of course, they say, a collective task. It involves all people who were ever born, all people presently alive, all people yet to be born. We are all healers of the world. And it said that story opens up a sense of possibility. And it's not about healing the world by making a huge difference. It's about healing the world that touches us. Healing the world that's around each and every one of us, wherever we are. By communicating the loving kindness of fear not in individual prayers, in emails that ask, what can I do for you? By small, even random acts of human kindness, we become amazing advocates for the love of a powerful God that never fails to hear our cries. So, let us proceed to celebrate that and to pass it on in our own small ways. A smile here, a softer kindness there. For today, we are told that when we claim loving kindness as our foundation, that we will be governed and guided by almighty powers that insist each and every one of us is much too precious to lose. Thanks be to God.